0: And uh, turn to John 15, 16, if you stand with me in reading of the Word of God this morning. So we started a series last week called Tagged. How many were here last Sunday and got a part of that? Amen. Wasn't that awesome? Tagged. And the reality is, is that you have been tagged by God, whether you're an atheist or not, you are an image bearer of God. Whether you are a God hater or a God lover, a Jesus follower, or just rebellious, whether you like it or not. The image of God is in you, and the devil hates it when he looks at you even if you don't believe in him. You have been tagged by God, and once you know you're tagged by God, then you understand that you need to be trained by God. You remember that? To fulfill a task from God. It's one thing that his image is in you, it's another thing when you surrender and serve him to fulfill the true mission of your life. So here's how we know this. These are the words of Jesus, not the words of Sam Reifkogel. He says, you didn't choose me. Oh, come on. I tell you what. Why don't y'all read it with me because I think this will really tick the devil off for you today. Okay? It's will really tick him off today. I just feel like just making him mad again. Say it with me out loud. Come on. Jesus is talking to you. Say it. You didn't choose me. I chose you, I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. Say that, come on, tell your neighbor, he's talking about you. Now listen close to this. If you have been tagged by God, He's going to keep turning you toward God. And when you're turning to something, it means you're turning from something. Look at your neighbor, the other neighbor and say, he's turning us around. Come on, he's turning us around. You can be seated in the house of God. Good to see everybody this morning. Y'all ready to be the church? Amen. So, we're doing this background, we're doing a series in the life of Elijah over the next couple of weeks here. we got two more weeks after this. We're talking about being tagged, being tagged by God. The Bible tells us Elijah was a man just like you and I, so there's something that relates to his life, that relates to your life and my life when you're tagged by God. And remember, when you've been tagged by God, you must be trained by God to fulfill the task from God. Every one of you, even those of you online, every single one of you, have been tagged by God, if you want to fulfill the mission of life, then you must allow God to train you for that mission. You're trained by God. And Elijah's background, when you see his background, here's this guy, Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe. That's, that's, just, that's cool. It's like that. Tishbite from Tishbe. So here he comes on the scene. We don't know much about him, but we know that he loves God because his name Elijah means, you know from last week. The Lord is my God. My God is Yahweh, Jeho- uh, Jehovah. My God is Yahweh, the God Almighty. And that's who he was, his identity. And when God brings him on the scene, he brings him on the scene when, when the Israel is divided into southern tribes, northern tribes. Judah's the southern tribe, northern tribe is Israel. It's because they've turned from God, there's division. There's division. Anytime you see disobedience, you will have division. Anytime. Whether it's your family, your company, your business, your personal life, your life is divided when you're disobeying, and they're divided. And the Bible says they just start going off into sin, these northern tribes. And he comes on the scene after Israel's had 200 years of 19 consecutive evil kings. Now, you just keep that in context just for a moment. 19 consecutive evil kings for the span of 200 years, and God tells this guy, I want you to go on the scene. Here's your task, here's your task. And now he comes on the scene in 1 Kings 17 and he's confronting a king by the name of King Ahab and his wife Jezebel. There's something different about them than these previous kings. The Bible says that this particular man and his wife was the most wicked king that there ever was. They were wheels off demonic and these are supposed to be the people of God. And his wife Jezebel was flat out driven by demon spirits. She was a manipulator, a controller. Flat, demonic. And what made them so corrupt is here's what God really hated. Listen this closely. They have turned the people to worship other gods, the gods of Baal and Asherah. And these two gods, what they did is they didn't remove God from the scene. What they did was they folded the demonic practices in to the same practices of worshiping God. This is what absolutely ticked God off. You, I, I'll, I'll give you more here later. It was They started to So they're having sex in the temples as if it was an act of worship to these gods. It's gotten so bad, so bad. Now you just think about that. That, that nation, those northern tribes, turned to literally sacrificing and burning their children alive. They did it. They did it. I'm not so worried about repent ever and asking everybody else to repent. I constantly ask God to please forgive us as a nation. Please forgive us, Father, for what we've done with children over these past years. <laughs> to not recognize this is a human life. You know me, I'm not much of a political guy and you know you've watched me for 16 years. But I'm gonna tell you something. When it comes to Prop 3, your pastor's saying no to Prop- proposal 3. Just want you to know where I stand. And next week, I wanna do something for you. I know this is a gutsy move. I may lose people. It doesn't bother me at this point. If they're gonna be bold, Why can't I be equally bold when it comes to human lives? Why can't I be equally bold? And I'm not trying to make anybody mad. I'm not trying to make people feel guilty because this is a church that heals people that have gone through that because the wound is deep for ladies, especially the ladies. And this is a place of healing. It's a place of restoration. And it's for that very reason that I've got to say no. For that very reason, because of the care we have for people and for life. And that's just me, and I'm going to follow Jesus. Now, if you want to know more next week, we're just putting together from our church something that'll help you to know why on this issue, this is where I stand. And this is where I I feel our leadership stands. And we'll give you a link next week, because you need to know why. It's important why I'm saying no to this proposal. And I can't tell you what to do, but I'm just telling you, I know that this nation don't, don't, don't. It's so easy to take this story and say a bunch of heathens, a bunch of pagans, and not fold our nation into the same practice. Okay, we we can't do that, and we can't be cruel and we can't be mean. But we cannot do that. And I just really believe that the greatest move of God, the greatest move of the Spirit, is going to happen just simply because people want to pursue Jesus. Okay, and that's that's what I'm trying to do my best, my ability. But next week i want going to have something to kind of help you to know why you want to say no to this issue. But they were doing it. They were doing it. And God tags Elijah and said, Elijah, it, was not even just about, it wasn't just about even the, the abuse of what they were doing to their children or even having sex inside the temples and just going wheels off. What really was about was he said confront the sin because these people are destroying themselves and don't even know it. And so God tags him and you know what happens, God's training him in the Kerith Ravine in 1 Kings 17. But now God says, it's now time for you to leave Zarephath. It's time for you to leave the Kerith Ravine. And it's now time for you to go after, watch this, the idolatry of King Ahab and King Jezebel and Israel that have turned away from me. In fact, I would strongly encourage you to read First Kings 18 when you get home today over the weekend and just read it. Just read the story because what happens so many times is we can read a story like this and just make it antiquated stories that are on onion paper, written in a Bible that isn't relevant for today. I am telling you, it was wheels off. This nation was turning from God to idolatry. So here comes, here comes Elijah to confront King Ahab and Jezebel. 1 Kings 18, let's go to verse 17, okay? And just follow the story with me today. <clears throat> When he, this is speaking of Ahab, he's really upset. He is really miffed at this prophet. When he, Ahab, saw Elijah, he said to him, is that you, you troubler of Israel? I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have done this. This whole history, 200 years, and these consecutive kings, you guys are the ones. Isn't that interesting, folks? Here's what's going to happen. The closer you get to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, When you want to follow Jesus, I'm going to tell you, you're going to be called a troubler. You're going to be called a troubler. You'll be called a troubler. You'll want to do good, but be marked as being bad or someone that hates. Easy. It's going to happen very easy. And he says, here's the problem with you, Ahab. He says, you have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. He says, don't, don't, don't sit there and try to flip this. It is you and your family that have gone wheels off into idolatry. And he says, confront the idolatry. Now, isn't this crazy, this word idolatry? And, and, and I know it's easy to put it there in that context over there that was those people. But I'm telling you, idol, idolatry happened then and it is happening right now. It happened with the people who reject God, and it's the people who said, I I want God, but I wanna fold other stuff into it. This is the reason why God was so upset at Ahab and Jezebel. Now when you read the Bible, you're gonna find the word idols and idolatry mentioned over 220 times throughout the word of God. 220 times, more than any other sin. This is the reason why the Bible doesn't preach against atheism. It doesn't say anything about atheism, it talks about idolatry, because idolatry always gets you to the other things in your life. It's about idolatry. It's mentioned more. That's the reason why when Moses came and gave the commandments to God's people, what was Exodus 20 verse 1, what was the very first thing? He said, you will have no other gods before me. No other gods. No. Say that with me. No." other gods and the second commands you shouldn't make any graven image or any kind of an image and worship that so it wasn't just don't have any of the gods don't wor- see it's he's trying to tell them don't worship the wrong god and the second one was don't worship the right god in a wrong way because what they were doing is they were sometimes folding in the worship of God, but doing it the wrong way, and still doing all these ungodly practices, and just saying, this is where God is. And that's why Jesus, when they said, when they're trying to corner Jesus, they said, Jesus, what's the greatest command? What does Jesus say to them? Matthew twenty two thirty seven. 37, he says, you, he replied, you must love the Lord your God with what, everybody? Say the word. All your heart. With what? All your heart your soul and with what else all your mind this is the first and the greatest question. all your mind why because sometimes you, our idols aren't metal they're mental they're mental and he says god is saying when you follow me and you're tagged you're tagged here's what you were created to do you were created to serve god and God alone and there are no other gods like him. That's what this prophetic message was to the body just this morning. Because see what happens is these were people of God who just inch by inch, slowly, little by little just folded in other things with some of the practices until God was completely removed. And this is why he so called Ahab and Jezebel. You have turned the people little by little until now all these 200 years you've topped it off by folding these things in the worship of God. You say, Pastor, what's the point here? The point is is that you and I, even your pastor, have to be very careful that we don't fold other idols in. So in other words, there are gods you and I can devise and not even know it. And God says, I'm turning you toward me. So if I'm turning toward something, what does it mean? I'm turning... From something. And so what God is doing, he says, turn, he says, turn and stop worshiping those things as if they're a God, an idol. I like something the late Adrian Rogers, a great pastor, <clears throat> late Adrian Rogers said about idols. He says, an idol is anything you love more, fear more, serve more, and value more than God. Anything. Anything. Anything, anything, anything. When, when I was studying theology and getting prepared for ministry and I went through Bible college, there was a, two words that we studied and it was the word monotheism. And monotheism is the belief that there is only one God. That's what we, we believe there's only one. That's what Christianity is to ascribe to, that there's only one God. Now I know there's liberal theologians that says all gods will get you there. But this is, there's only one God. This is what God was saying. I'm the one and only God. There's no other besides me. They're turning from it. Then there's this other word called polytheism. The polytheism is the belief that there are multiple gods or multiple ways to get to God. Multiple ways. And if you're a Bible-believing Christian, here's the reality is that most of us, we know that we are monotheistic in our belief that there's only one God and you serve him alone. But here's the problem. I have found myself and even people in the American church that we are monotheistic in our language but polytheistic in our love. We declare we have a one true God, but we don't, we may believe in the one true God, but we live, we 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 but we live polytheistic, although we proclaim monotheism. That there are things that we just add to and we don't even know. We're adding to it. And it's so crazy. There's gods that we can devise and not even know it. And I'm telling you, the closer we get to Jesus, the more we become self-aware when those things start encroaching on who our love and our allegiance and our loyalty and our love really is to. Because we can devise them. Oh, come on, you can devise them. Material things, you can devise them just like that. Our careers, you can sit there and bust your rear for 70, 80 hours a week and forget your, it's not just forgetting God. You forget your marriage, you forget your kids, you forget everything, you just start. It's all about the career. It's all about getting to be number one, climbing the ladder. And it becomes a God, you don't even realize it. Money, even Jesus said, be careful, all forms of greed. Why didn't he say all forms of adultery? Because greed is the one that most believers don't see. We see it in everybody else if they pull up in a brand new car, greedy. But you never see it in yourself. Moved into a mansion, greedy. You can be in a trailer house that's dilapidated and be just as greedy as anybody else. He says, watch for all forms of it because you don't know when it's happening to you. So if you want to curb greed... Here, Greed, just be as generous as you can be with everything you have. Being like the, being like the early church, where they were. <laughs> they were generous with what they had, but they were greedy with their bodies. They were promiscuous with their resources, but they were holy with their bodies. It flipped around. You say, so what do you mean? Because it says, this is why Jesus says, watch for mammon. Mammon controls. It's because it's a manipulator. It's you. It controls you. And you may not even know it. You can be sitting there speaking in tongues and still be controlled by money. In fact, it might have even control you when we did the worship of giving because you're so concerned about what's happening in the economy, you forgot God. Why? Because you serve it and you value it more than what God's mission is. This is why Job says in Job 31, 24, he says, if I have put my trust in gold or said, to pure gold. So if you're talking to something, it's alive. It's a God to you. If I said to you, you are my security. If I have rejoiced over my great wealth, the fortune my hands had gained, then these also would be sins to be judged. For I would have been unfaithful to God on high. I mean, friends, can you see? We can devise these gods. you got to turn more to God all the time. Because when you're turning to something, you're turning from something. And if you're turning to those things, you're slowly turning away from the one true God. And I'll tell you one that's really easy to do is family. Family can really be God. When you say somebody says to you or it ever left your lips, my family comes first. I hope to God it doesn't. I pray he doesn't. I pray your family is not first. Because whatever's first is God, and whatever's God gets worshiped. I hope your family isn't first. I hope God is first. Now you say, how could you say that? Honey, we're getting out of this church. No, 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 listen to me. Love your family. For crying out, please love your family because not enough people do. Adore your family. Sacrifice for your family, work hard hours for your family, but never ever ever make them God. Right. Never make them your God. And you know how you know when things become God? Is when God removes something from you. Your level of anguish determines the level of how you worshipped it. I'm preaching, about are you letting on? Yes, how could you say that? Well, I didn't say it. He did. Jesus said these words, Matthew 10:37. Anyone who loves his father, a mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whatever is first is God. You can make your kids God. Easy peasy. You can make your spouse God. Please don't. Listen. Brenda knows that she is not my number one. She knows it. That she is not number one in Sam Raffco's life, and I know that I'm not number one in her life. Huh. But I know it, and I'm glad I'm not number one in her life. I am so grateful. Because she could never love me the way that God wants her to love me if I was number one. I get loved being number two in her life more than I would be being number one in her life. Take my word for it. Take my word for it. And we don't know it. We don't know they're number one. But some spouses make their kids number one, they make their spouse number one, and I'm going to tell you, that is a burden you should never put on your husband if he doesn't perform that way and he doesn't do what you need to do because you're making him number one. You get mad, everything goes... She doesn't do what you want. You go crazy just, it just because they can't be God. Your kids can't take that weight when they don't get the grades or they don't do the career path you wanted. They were not created to be God. And when they become God is you get so disappointed. You're so angry and you're so mad you can't ever move on. You can't develop in the marriage. And that's the reason why some marriages are having such rough time is because you put ir- unrealistic expectations on them because you've made them God. really is. we got to watch it. you got to watch it. Your kids can't be that. Your spouse can't be that. Your pastor, this church, can I tell you how easy it is for me to make this church my God? By whether or not you applauded, by whether or not you show up. whose church is growing, whose church is not growing. Can I tell you how, how sneaky Satan is that he's got people speaking in tongues leading churches, but the thing has become their God? I refuse to allow this place to be my God. And it is hard, but I refuse to allow this church to be my God. Burn my energy. Forget my real mission in life. Because the real problem for all of us, it's really the worship of me. It really is about what I want to do. It's really, it's not thy kingdom come. It's Sam's kingdom come, Sam's will be done. It's I want my will done in this marriage and his will. I want My kingdom come, my will be done. And here's what Jesus Christ tells us. He says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross and follow me. But we live in a culture now where it's how many followers do you have? How many followers? How many people viewed your TikTok? Uh, How how many views did you get? Let's keep checking. Let's go back. Oh, you know, you're back there checking that same video you did to see how many people actually, well, I tell you what, I'm going to unfriend them. (laughs) They didn't even hit the like button. I mean, how hard is it to do that? And now it's about how many followers you have. And he says, no, no, it's not about how many followers you have. Is are you following me? Are you surrendering me, loving me with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind? You say, pastor, is it wrong to have a good family? Is it wrong? No, I told you love, sacrifice for him. Do those things. Is it wrong to have money? No. Work hard, make money, make it a tool. But don't make it it a bondage in your life. Go after your career because that's part of the task God has put on your life. Is it wrong? No. They're good, but they can never be God. And here's why, because false gods always promise you what the only true God can provide for you. And sometimes people are jumping from relation to relationship because they're really looking for what God can only provide. They're sitting there stressing over money so bad because they're only looking to the security God can give. Friends come on, don't devise other gods, turn and start worshiping the living God. Start worshiping the God and turn from those things that can encroach upon the one Worship of the true God. Can somebody say amen this morning? The gods we devise, this is what's happening. So let's go back to the story. Because the reality of what this is really about is the glory that God deserves, not the glory that my kids or my money or my career or my wife deserve. It's the glory God truly deserves in all this. Thank them, honor them, but give God the glory. So here comes Elijah, and he's going after Ahab. This guy is something else. Man, if he lived in our day, whoo. Look at verse 19. He looked at it he says, now summon the people, Elijah says, summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring your 450 prophets of Baal and your 400 prophets of Asherah. Bring them. Those who eat at Jezebel's table. So she's got 850 of these demonic prophets sitting at a table. Could you imagine the banquet hall serving 850 people at a time? Could you imagine? Could you imagine how intimidating that had to be for one preacher to take on 850 demonic guys? So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, okay, how long will you waver between two opinions? How long will you what? Say say that word, everybody. Waver between two opinions. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. And the people said nothing. They had so folded in the practices of these demonic practices into their worship of God, they didn't say nothing. Israel was worshiping God and Baal and Asherah at the same time. And he finally says, would you stop wavering on this? I think this is the most confusing message to the generation that's coming up, is when you have someone that speaks in tongues, goes to church, but lives a life totally contrary to the follower of Jesus Christ. It is so deceptive that they don't even want it. They don't even want it. That's why some even choose not to get married because they see the covenants. Everybody's just living life so loose in their own way. They don't want it. They're really looking for somebody who will, you don't have to be perfect. You just got to be striving. I'm going to keep turning. I'm going to keep turning. I'm going to keep turning. I'm going to keep turning to him and from this. Stop wavering. Can, can I, you know, this is the toughest thing as a pastor because you always really want people to hang with you. But I gotta tell you, you need to stop wavering, sir. Knock it off. Teenager, stop wavering. Make up your mind if you're gonna follow God or follow Baal. Make a decision for crying out loud. Make a decision. Who are you gonna follow? I think sometimes we're so worried about appeasing this world and displeasing God because we're afraid we're gonna lose the acceptance of people in our day. Stop wavering. Stop it. Don't, don't, Don't even pray to God. Would you quit praying to God? Stop praying. If you're gonna, don't pray and then turn around and disobey. Stop, it's not gonna work. Disobedience and blessing do not mix. Stop it. Stop! Quit asking God to bless your business if you're cheating in your business. Stop! Stop praying, Lord. Just I want to get saved so I can keep me out of hell. But I want to live the way I want to live. I want to sleep. With, I want to sleep. With, I want to do what I want to do. I want to do what I want. I want to do it. Stop! Stop! Stop wavering. Turn and stop wavering. Don't just stop worshiping. Turn and stop wavering. Stop asking God to bless your finances, but you can't even do what he says what to do with your finances. We're going to just quit. Just go blow your money on a fifth wheel. Go blow your money on every Chotsky you can find. Go buy you some old garage sale fodder and just don't give God anything. Just make a decision and sell out either one way or the other. This is what G- This is what the Revelation said. Revelation 3 simply says, the church of Laodicea, he says, I wish you were hot or you're cold, but you are the most deceptive thing that is turning more people from God. Choose who you're going to serve. Make a decision in your life is what God is saying. Sell out. Sell out white hot for Jesus. I'm not asking you to be perfect. Just sell out. Did you notice something about the church of Laodicea? Have you ever read that book of Revelation? These are the, these are the, these are the types of churches there will be as you it come to the return of Jesus Christ. Is really what it is. Did you notice that all the other churches, he had something to commend them for. Because there were some things they were doing right because he knew they were trying. But for the church of Laodicea, the lukewarm church, I wish you were hot or cold. Do you know he gave them absolutely no praise at all? None. I'm not perfect, but I'm going to keep turning. I'm going to keep turning. I'm going to keep turning. Turning. Well, what's the big deal? What's the big deal? Come on. If the Holy Spirit and the Word is showing you something, make a decision. Make a decision and live for it, live for it. You say, what's the big deal? Well, let me ask you something. Let me ask you something, motor scooter, what's the big deal? Let's say your wife walks into your house and finds you on the couch with another woman walks in and sees you making out with another, listen, listen, let's just, well, what if I don't have to follow God with my money or my body and I don't follow God's word? No, let's let's just say, you're married and your wife walks in on you with another woman making out and she starts yelling at you and you get up and say, well honey, she was so beautiful and so passionate. All I was was thinking of you while it was happening. <laughs> and she's going to look at you and say, when I bought this Glock, all I was thinking of was you. <laughs> Do you see how it makes absolutely no sense? That's like trying to explain to your kids while you're asking. That's like trying to explain to your kids. I want you to do this. Sell out. And he says, just make a decision for crying out loud, because this is what's turning the hearts of God's people far away. This is what God had such a hassle with. There's a lot of things we can worship. So make a decision, he says. turn. Don't just stop worshiping. Stop wavering. And Elijah said, look at verse 24. Let's go, come on, let's go to the story. I just love this story. He says, then you call on the name of your God. This is, a, this is Elijah. And I will call on the name of the Lord. Notice the Lord there is the God Almighty, Yahweh. The God who answers by fire, he says, he is God. Then all the people said, what you say is good. Do you know why they said what you say is good? Because they haven't seen any miracles performed at all. And they didn't think it was going to happen. What you say is good. Verse 26, let's go up to that. He says, so they took the bull, given them, and prepared. So he says, we're going to have two altars, two bulls. We're going to put a sacrifice. The God answers by fire. He is God. So they took, so they took the bull, given them, and prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. So you see this, here are these stones stacked up. Here's this, here's this wood on there, and here's the prime rib laying on top of it. And they're crying out to Baal to answer by fire from morning till noon. Look at this. Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response and no one answered. Then they danced around. It was worship, it was their worship. They danced around the altar they had made. They even took stuff, they even took the worship of God's people and just folded it into the stew. They danced around. Verse 27, at noon, I love this part. I love this part. I love this. Elijah begins to taunt them. Shout a little louder. <laughs> I love this. This dude is the goat, man. I'm telling you, he is the goat. He is the goat. He wouldn't be, he would, shout a little louder. I love this. I love this. Shout a little louder. He said, Surely he's God. Perhaps, this is what the scripture says, perhaps he's in deep thought. Let, let Let me help you with the translation here. Perhaps he's busy is what it says too. Perhaps he's busy. Boy, I tell you, these translators were so nice and so correct and so proper. But when you look at the word busy, I mean, this dude is hilarious. The word busy there. How can I put it so we don't offend anybody? The Hebrew translation of it is really um, bodily elimination. It, no, in the Hebrew, it, how can I be... I think some of you are getting it because you're just sitting there like you don't... Huh? So? It means to, to defecate? Okay, some of you stop. It meant maybe he's having a bowel movement is really what it meant. Okay, somebody said, he's pooping. Okay, that's what it means. The man of God mocks him and said, maybe he's on the toilet, man. Maybe he's on the john. Didn't get enough fiber that day. Can't make it here to your big gig. He is mocking them. He is laughing at them. Says, Come on, let jump a little higher. Jump, 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 jump a little higher. Oh, you're doing great. Call me. Where's your guy? Go- oh, maybe he's on a trip. Maybe he's traveling. Maybe he's asleep. Maybe he just, you just flat wore him out. He's asleep and must be awakened. He is flat humiliated. This isn't the first time he's humiliated them. Oh, no, no, no. Do you know why these people wanted him killed? He has humiliated them for three and a half years. Do you know why? He said there's going to be no rain. Can I tell you why this was a flat humiliation to these people? It's because... Baal was considered a sky god as well, who controlled the weather. And when the seasonal rains happened, those prophets said, It was the favor of Baal because you have worshiped him. And what it is, he cut right to the throat of their economy. He had an entire economic shutdown. He says, I'm going to mock you for three and a half years. Your God can't produce nothing. And then he says, He's on the toilet. They're shouting, they're shouting. Now the Bible says they start cutting themselves. They're cutting, they're cutting. There's blood flowing. They're a bloody mess. They're a bloody mess. Look at this, look at this. The Bible says, and they're doing this from morning, not just till noon, but into the evening, the sun is setting. They've gone this long. And look what verse 29 says. But there was no response, and there was no answer, and no one paid attention. And I love verse 30 because this is what the Spirit of God is saying to people who've cut themselves and followed that and believe that. And they know that these false gods cannot only promise what God truly can provide. Look what he says to them. Verse 30. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come here to me. Come here. Come here to me. And they came. And he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. He said, you have gone to these other gods, created your altars, your worship, and you really believe they were giving you some satisfaction, but they will never give you the satisfaction and security your God has for you. And you're trying this. And there may be people sitting here in this room or people sitting there right now, under the sound of my voice, you have tried every single Thing. You have tried every sexual act. You have tried every kind of career. You have tried every sense of education. You have tried with your family. You have gone after everything, money. You've tried it all. you tried every drug and you're sitting there a bloody mess in your soul. You've got it all together outside but inside you're bleeding. And people say well try this religion and try this God and try this and you need to try this and try this and no one is answering and there's no response and it is not working. And then the prophet says come near to me. Let's repair the altar. Come back to God. And can I tell you, listen, if you're in that condition, you gave Satan his shot. He's had enough shots at you. He's ripped you apart, torn you apart. You're a bloody mess. Your mind is in a mess and he's had his shot. Now walk away from him and come near to the God who's ready to restore you and build you and make you into the man and woman that God has called you to truly be. He's had his shot at you. Pardon me for getting so animated, but he's had his shot at you. All you got are memories and sleepless nights. He's had his shot. You've tried all the sex. You've had every partner. You tried every Doug. You tried it all. You tried every Swami. You tried every Guru. You sat in the lotus position, ate bananas and yogurt, and said, Oh man, you're still not at peace. You've tried it all. And now God is saying to you, Would you please come near to me? I've got something for you that you're really looking for. And he rebuilds the altar. Elijah says, okay, y'all have done this carrying on. Your God is still back there in stall three. (laughs) And he puts the 12 stones. I'll talk about that next week. And then he put wood on there. Everybody say wood. wood. And then he dug a trench around the altar. And then he says, and he puts the sacrifice on top, the meat on top. He says, now pour four large pots of water on top of the sacrifice. They did it. He says, no, do it again. And they put another four. He says, no, do it again. Put another four. Until the water flowed out and filled the trench that is around that, that altar. And then Elijah begins to pray to the one he has always turned to. And look what he says in verse 37. Then the fire of the Lord, look what he says, answer me, Lord, answer me so that these people will know you are Lord. Notice it wasn't answer them so they'll know that I'm your guy, that I'm the prophet. Don't make me look like a fool. He says, I want them because it's never about you. Do you understand being tagged and trained and have a task is not about you? It's about other people. God's doing a work in you. But it's really about somebody else around you. And look what he says. So these people, they'll know, Lord, that you are God and that you are turning, everybody say turning, Turning. you're turning their hearts back again. Fire fell. Look at verse 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice. What's the next thing it said it burnt up? The wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And I know some of you are going, Pastor, what I want to do, he wants you to just take everything you have, everything the devil condemns you about, every sin, every addiction that's pulling you away from God, every God that he's exposing in your life, and he says, just put it on the altar, and I'll deal with the rest. See, here's the bottom line of this. Some of us are dealing with our stuff. And you really tried to pray. You really tried this church thing. You really tried that small group. You really tried that. And you, you tried celebrate recovery. You tried everything. You tried and you tried and you tried. And you still can't get free. And the devil's still beating you up, condemning you. The reason why he's condemning you is he wants you to think you're the God that can set yourself free and turn your heart. You can't. Wood in the scripture, wood in the scripture was always the picture of the flesh and that which is perishable. That's what it was always a picture of. That's what it was always of. Always. Always. Only God can bring the fire. You can't. Here's the deal. You provide the wood, he'll provide the fire. I don't care how many times you take it to the altar. I don't care how many times it takes. You keep running to God and turn and say, Lord, I put this down. I put this down. I put this down. I put this attitude. I put this issue. I keep putting it down, Put it down, Put it down. All you're responsible is to keep turning toward it, turning toward it, and bring it to the altar. You provide the wood. That's your responsibility. He doesn't bring the wood. You bring the wood, he brings the fire. And watch him do something in you. That's why I tell some of you, give this church one year of your life. Just show up every Sunday and watch God start burning things. You're going go back and say, how in the world? I was doing that. And How did that happen? I'm going to tell you, it is the fire of his Holy Spirit that takes you from glory to glory to glory into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ through your following. That's what he does. And you know the reason why? It's because there's a goal God desires in your life. There's a purpose. He says, I want you to stop worshiping. I want you to stop wavering, and I want you to start following my ways. Because here's what he says. Exodus 20 verse 5, he said, you must not bow down to them, these idols, or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. He's a jealous God. See, when we say that word jealous, well, first of all, let me tell you, he can be a jealous God, you know, because he's cornered the market on being God. He has a monopoly on being God, okay? You can't be jealous of other people. Do you know why? Because there are other people. He can be a jealous God because there are no other gods. There's a lot of humans, so stop being jealous of what they drove or how their kid performed better and you, they got the bumper sticker there on our student and your kid didn't get it. But he's a jealous God, but he's not jealous for himself. When you hear the jealousy God, he's not jealous for himself. He's jealous for you. He's jealous for you. Come on. What parent in this room today isn't jealous for their kid? You want to give your kid, that's why some of you are busting your backside working, just so they can have straight teeth. You just don't want people making fun of their teeth, and that's why you're working so hard. You're jealous for your kid. Why is it that you work so hard to move out of one neighborhood to get to another neighborhood so you get your child in the right school because you wanted the best for them? And you were created by God. What two parents in this room, when you had that child, you came together out of love so you could bring a child into this world and you could love that child. Can I tell you, you were created by God, for God, for a purpose from God. You've been tagged by God. You must be trained by God because he has a task for you. And the mission is great. There's a goal he desires that no other God can give you. He just can't give it, they just cannot give it to you. You're looking to your husband to make it happen. You're looking to your wife to make it happen. You're looking to your pastor to make it happen. I can make it happen for you. He's the only one because he has this goal for you. He's jealous for you and that's why he says, turn to me. Don't let any other thing get in the way. They may be good things I've given you, but don't make them God. Please don't make them God. Pursue me. All your heart. All your soul. Because I'm worthy of it. I'm the only God. And I got this plan for you that is amazing. How about we all?